Welcome to DJ Grandpa's Crib, the crowdfunding podcast. Each week I interview real people with honest dreams. Today is Monday, March 10th, 2014. During this week in history in 1958, the Recording Industry Association of America awarded its first gold record for recorded music to Perry Como for Catch a Falling Star. Dude, I didn't know that. Love may come and tap you on the shoulder some starless night. Just in case you feel you want to hold her, you'll have a pocket. Full of starlight, catch a falling star and put it in your We are proud to bring to you War of Kings, an exciting and fast-paced medieval strategy board game. War of Kings combines military conquest with a robust economic system, both of which you will need to master in order to forge your kingdom into a continent-spanning empire. War of Kings is a two to six player family strategy game suitable for play in a single evening. How are you, he? Excellent. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Is your partner there with you? I'm, he's not. Sad. Tell him I miss him, man. I miss, okay. I miss the cat. Okay, you guys have this game, War of Kings. That's right. Good title, though, man. Nice, basic, cool, straight to the point. Thank you. That's what we wanted. What type of game is it, man? Don't hold out on us, man. Don't leave us on a lurch, man. We got to know. When we set out to design War of Kings, we wanted it to be a game about economics and about kingdom building, but also about military conquest. We wanted the game to have both of those elements in it because, you know, we played games which are primarily about uh, economics and that sort of thing. We also played games which are just military strategy. But we really wanted to have a game that was both. We really wanted to put both of those elements together and make the game that we wanted to play. We liked both of those elements, but we hadn't found a game uh, that had both of those in it that we thought developed both of those equally well. So that's what we tried to do in War of Kings. I see it has 91 original miniatures. That sounds like a lot. Are they sculpted minis or are they kind of like the 3D printed type of miniatures? The miniatures that are included in the game are about the towns, the villages, and the cities that you can build uh, when you're building out your uh, medieval kingdom. Right. We had this idea for that component of it that we wanted each one of those levels of settlements. First you build the villages and you upgrade them to towns and then to cities. We have a, a sculptor who hand sculpted those, but then also we wanted you to be able to build fortifications. around those. So what we did is we had this also idea that the fortifications needed to be rings so they could sit around any one of the settlements. And so you can interchange them. So we have fortresses and we've got a castle, but those are a ring that as you develop your kingdom, you exchange which particular fortification ring is around your settlements. As you grow or, or not grow, I guess. Hopefully you're growing. (laughs) Right. I have a question I don't think I've ever asked anyone on this show. Like when you're designing something, anything, let's say it's a game. Do you keep it like under wraps, like top secret? You know, like you may know other people who are designing games or designing products for crowdfunding or Kickstarter. And there's a certain level of secrecy you have to keep because something might get out a new mechanic or... 
you know, that you just found a great sculptor and, whoa, he gave me this killer price. We might not want that to get out. You know, uh, I mean, does that go on? You know, we were pretty open about the project and what we were trying to do and how we were, what we were trying to build and how we were trying to go about doing it. Right. You know, we did keep a blog. You can read the whole development blog about the game on www.warofkingsgame.com. And so we actually hoped that would be a resource for other people who are doing game design. Well, that's cool. As far as the sculptors and the artists that we find, you know, we found all of those through very public methods on the internet, you know, people who are freelance artists on sort of the common web forums and web boards that people who are advertising services like that go to. I want to know, is this game any fun? We did play test it with uh, lots of different people, and the verdict has been that it is definitely fun. Uh, Seth and I come from a family that's very big on game night. Oh, game night, okay. We play even with extended family. Hold up, you even let extended family in? Sometimes that doesn't work out. It does in our family. Okay, and, and all we're, right. We're very, <laughs> all right. Uh, we're very, very blessed in that regard. But uh, because that was such an important component of our family, right. that it's just not only the game that Seth and I would want to play with each other, but a game that you know an entire group of people could come over and really enjoy playing was very important to us. And I've heard some people say, oh, wow, six-player game. Yeah, so we can go from anywhere from two to six players. You know, when you have uh, lots of your family members over, you know, those six slots can fill up very fast. <laughs> There's also a mechanic in it that Seth and I really like, uh, a mechanic about uh, marauders who have come into the area to take advantage of the chaos of the breakup of this empire. And so we wanted there to be a mechanic where not only are you having to deal with other players, but you're having to deal with another element. And every player in the game has an opportunity uh, at some point to take charge of the marauders and do something with them and perhaps make trouble for their neighbors or even somebody else who's on the other side of the board. Right. And they put a very interesting twist into the game because, you know, sometimes you can always... Sometimes you can count on your neighbors if it's another person to be sort of cold and calculating and right. not taking too much risk. You know, what's in it for them as far as calculating risk. But then when you get to take charge of a horde of uh, Maladorian marauders, you know, you can use them to take high risk, high reward options uh, if you're going to charge into some heavily fortified area. And right. so that keeps everything from being just so calculated. I could really use those cats in my neighborhood, man. Yeah. <laughs> some marauders yeah i could use a few marauders in my neighborhood for safety man and i can understand that right about now it might be the wild people who are the marauders i was in college one time and i was in a class that was above me you know and, and that's the way sometimes i feel about all the game mechanics like sometimes it's above me whatever <laughs> but in that class the teacher said all right I don't want you guys leaving this class unless you remember one thing. And this is the one thing I want you to remember about this class. And that seemed to be a technique to me. So I want to try it out on you. I want to say, like, I listened to this interview. Maybe I got a little lost at times. Maybe I didn't. But what's the one thing you want me or via the listener to remember about War of Kings? That one thing, that one special thing. I would like for everyone to take away that 
Seth and I have put together a game about kingdom building and about military strategy that we always wanted to play together and with our friends and family. And we think that we have definitely put together that game and we really want to be able to share it with everybody else. And so we hope that everybody will help make that come true by supporting us on Kickstarter. Okay, War of Kings on Kickstarter. Go check them out. And if you can't find the game there, go to djgrandpa.com where we will post links for Heath and Seth for War of Kings. And we'll help them along and we'll do what we can. We'll Facebook, we'll Twitter. And Heath has just been totally cool, man. So I wish you guys the best on Kickstarter always. And DJ Grandpa will be pulling for you, dude. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Cynthia Landon. And I'm Chris Landon. And together, we're MeepleSource. If you're already one of our valued customers, thank you so much for checking out our very first Kickstarter project. For those of you that don't know, MeepleSource has the most amazing board game bits, perfect for upgrading all of your favorite games. Hello. Hey. So how's it going in Florida? Weather's nice here. Is yours a homegrown business or like a family business or? What? Yeah, it's a family business. Uh, my brother, Chris, is my business partner. And actually, my mom has worked for us for about three years. She's a big part of the business, too. She keeps us all organized and all the orders moving and everything. She's really, really amazing. Couldn't do it without her. How old is this business? We have another company as well, but we started doing board game stuff in 2005. And you guys are new to Kickstarter. Recently, there's been a trend kind of, I guess, to make board games more beautiful, more like art. Right. Some of the more recent popular games on Kickstarter have really done that really well. And we just thought that board game pieces deserve to be beautiful too. <laughs> and so, you know, everybody's been upgrading their game boards and cards to have fantastic art and the pieces have been staying more or less the same. And we really want to change that. I didn't think like your company wasn't or your product wasn't any good or why or anything like that. But I wondered why would people be so excited about meeples? Because in a way, meeples felt like such a technical term for just the board game pieces that everybody would love. You know, like you see miniatures all the time, miniatures all the time, custom miniatures, custom minis on Kickstarter. But I never thought about the wooden or the plastic parts or the whatever, you know, the quote-unquote meeples. The cool thing is that you guys have caught on on Kickstarter and you're doing incredibly well and people are very excited. I guess, are you hooked now? Are you, are you coming back to Kickstarter, you know? <laughs> I can say with pretty much certainty that it won't be our last Kickstarter. I don't anticipate that we'll do another project exactly like this anytime soon because, you know, we're just doing so many pieces. We're up to a hundred, actually more than a hundred character meeples already just in this project, not counting the about 40 we had already. Right. And we're still adding. How long do you think it'll take for you to get all these pieces out? It's a lot more characters than the original project. I'm thinking that we might be somewhere around that August date that I had originally set, I knew that we would be able to deliver sooner if we only, you know, just barely funded, you know, then we would get stuff 
to people in, you know, two or three months, but it's going to take a little bit longer for this many pieces. Do you guys think you're going to get like twisty or anything? Because like sometimes when people get up there in the money, they get a little confident on Kickstarter, you know, <laughs> like kind of like people do in real life, you know, when the money starts flowing, you know. So do you think maybe that since you have access to all these meeples, <laughs> and, and all these pieces, do you think you just might design a game of your own? I can't say never for anything, but no, I doubt No, it. no, no, no. <laughs> it's always good to say absolute. Yay or nay, what do you think? To be honest with you, I'm not smart enough to design a game like some of these people. I mean, the game designers are really brilliant, and um, I doubt it. But what we might do is work with other people you know, we've already started making game pieces for people that are on Kickstarter. So we're not really looking to expand in that way. But we are looking for people who are going to be putting their board game on Kickstarter or self-publishing or anything like that. If they need artwork done, if they need board game pieces of any type, you know, we're definitely interested in helping more people do that. You know, families play board games and you lose pieces, you're minus a piece in your game. And what would you suggest? Would you go to your website and could you replace certain pieces? You know, like if you had a cool game and you still really wanted to play it and you really weren't sure how to replace that piece or something. Now, of course, board game manufacturers, if the game is still in print, they can usually get you a piece that you lost. And most Companies are really great about sending you that, but sometimes that's not possible. It's an older game or, you know, that company isn't responsive. A lot of times people can switch out either all of their pieces or, you know, sometimes they can buy a replacement piece that will be close enough from us. I mean, we have tons of different products all the way from cubes and discs all the way up to these intricately painted character meeples. So, yeah, sure, and they can definitely write me and I can see if we have anything that would suit their needs. And if we do, I'll be happy to send it on out to them. <laughs> I'm thinking Cynthia sounds friendly enough. And if I were on Kickstarter, I'd tell you to drop by Character Meeples by Meeple Source. And they're on Kickstarter right now. And if you can't find them there, if you always go to djgrandpa.com where we will have links for Cynthia and their company. Thank you very much for coming on the show. And it's been a pleasure. And I wish you the best on KS. Thank you so much. Really nice to meet you, DJ Grandpa. Remember, we are the crowdfunding channel and we cover the globe. Hello, everyone. Uh, I am Tim Lawson, and most of you know me as the Veteran Empire podcast host. Um, I am launching this Kickstarter for a podcast series called One Too Many. And uh, one too many will be addressing the epidemic of veteran suicide. How's it going, Timothy? Uh, What's going on, man? How you doing? I hear you talking about doing all sorts of journalist things with your new show that you're funding now on Kickstarter. One too many. Very serious topic. I never joke around. You do a lot of good work, man. You know, I was thinking about this one day and I really wanted to do this project. I really wanted to find a way, like, how can I, like, what can I do? Like, how can I help change the conversation that we're having about veteran suicide? And, you know, podcasting is my medium. What's creative about it, and this is like, this is the hoop that Kickstarter made me jump through to get it approved, was proving that this was a finite creative project. 
Meaning? Meaning it, it has a definite end, so it does, right? So it's a 12-episode podcast. I really want to see one, two, many get off the ground. So I like that. If I were your teacher and we were at American University or something like that, I would say, uh, uh, Lawson, young man, please, let's focus. Okay. <laughs> okay. So how is this going to help in any sort of way? You know, my beautiful and wonderful girlfriend who's been extremely supportive through this whole process. She is very pretty. I've seen her. I've stalked you on Facebook, seen her. <laughs> thank okay. you. Thank you. I'll you, you let her know. You want to mention her name and all that, you know? I um, told you to focus, but you can get her name out there. Her name's Shannon, and she's a wonderful, wonderful woman. And, you know, she was like, even if no one listens to One Too Many, what you're doing is still important because you're letting everybody you talk to know that their story matters. And that's the baseline of how is this going to help is at the very least, the dozens and dozens of people that talk to me either officially on the air or that, you know, for the project or people that talk to me offline, you know, it's creating a new conversation within the veteran community that isn't just about the stats. It isn't just about the numbers, the 22 a day, one an hour, whatever it may be. 50% are over the age of 50, and this percentage is our combat veterans. And we sort of dehumanized the whole epidemic because we're constantly talking about numbers, and we're forgetting that those are people that are dying. You know, those are our friends and our family members that are deciding that they can no longer live with the pain in their own lives to a point that they're willing to take their own life, which battles so many human instincts that we have. You know, we want to live. We want to protect ourselves. So for someone to be able to take that step is so huge. And we're forgetting, we're sort of forgetting about all of that. Or not even forgetting, we're just sort of not taking that as seriously with the way that we've talked about veteran suicide. We all know it's a problem. It's been in the news for right. years now. If you help one person, is that a mission complete for you? Yes. I mean, that will be mission accomplished for me. If And here's something that I think is really interesting about this project is, you know, one of the things I am trying to do is, you know, I, I want to tell these stories. I want to change the conversation about veteran suicide. I want to help bridge the gap between veteran and civilian and, and help people realize that there's similarities here that they can talk about. And just as much as this is for veterans who need help, it's for people who want to help. You know, maybe you live right next door to an Afghan, a combat veteran from Afghanistan. Maybe they live right next door to, you know, this Marine that they know is having relationship issues. And it's for them to know that there's, there's practical, proactive ways for you to be able to intervene with them to understand what they're going through. And if this can get people to be more confident and more relaxed and more comfortable with having the conversation of veteran suicide or just about suicide and depression, PTSD and all that, that is just as powerful if someone listens to this who is contemplating suicide and realizes, man, there are resources out there for me. There are ways for me to do this uh, or ways for me to approach this without having to go down this dark road. So Yes, I absolutely believe that, that this is going to reach people and it's going to start making a difference. I always ask people about their stories. So, I mean, do you have anything that makes you vulnerable, whereas you can have an empathy for their story other than just being in the Army? I did attempt once when I was in the military and I fortunately 
did not succeed. And there was a second time where I had thought about it, but didn't really, there was no attempt. I had just sort of contemplated of whether or not that was something that I was really considering. Fortunately, a phone call to mom always helps. And so (laughs) mom talked me out of that one. But And if I were Bill O'Reilly, I'd be like, now I can't trust you anymore. After that story, I can't trust you anymore. (laughs) (laughs) no i just feel like on fox i see him say that i've seen him throughout the years say that so many times now after that story Uh uh-huh i am a civilian i've never been in the military no rotc none of that but yeah I, i mean i have psychological problems myself i've wanted to commit suicide and all of that stuff i've i've never done it well, I guess that's obvious since I'm here talking to you, but, but I don't know. I, I don't want to say that I'd like to believe I know where you're coming from just because because I can say that I've thought about it or X, Y, Z. I'm glad you actually say that because, you know, that's one of the objectives of this project is to make people understand that you don't have to have necessarily attempted or strongly considered or anything like that to be able to empathize with someone who, you know, like if someone's attempted and you've merely thought about it, it doesn't mean that you can't talk to them about it. It doesn't mean that you don't understand the struggle as much as they do. But I I was too cowardly to attempt it, dude. There's a difference. There's a line you cross, man. You want to know one of my pet peeves? What's one of your pet peeves? One of my pet peeves, I guess there's many when you host a show, but one of my pet peeves is doctors or people telling me that I'm going to be normal again one day. Mm. That just really makes me angry. And I know that for some people that probably does happen, man. You know, there's a lot of myths and a lot of stigmas that they get attached to depression and, you know, suicidal behavior and just that entire realm of mental health. I mean, let's face it. I mean, we think that and this is a really weird way to looking at it, but I think someone, I think people may understand. You know, imagine being like crazy in love, you know, and imagine like there's actually mental instability with you know people make irrational decisions, they can't stay focused. Now it's a positive thing, right? Being in love is such an amazing feeling, but it's sort of the polar opposite of the other side, and you would never tell someone. They're going to be normal again when they fall in love, right? You're not going to say yeah. that to them because you don't want them to be normal. I mean, you want them to be here. And of course, you don't want people to stay like depressed and suicidal, but it's not necessarily like that they have to go back to the norm. They just have to work through these emotions and sort of make sense of it and find a way back to a positive state. But for anyone out there, Mental illness is very serious, and Timothy Lawson means to cover it in a very serious way. Absolutely. About military, and as he said, even involving civilians. I mean, just just to get the story out there, and not about numbers, not about numbers, not about statistics, more about letting people tell their stories. And he's an enabler of stories just as I am. And I think that's very cool. So go to kickstarter.com and check out number one, two, many veteran suicide. Or you can just look it up uh, like I do. I just type in Timothy Lawson and it comes up very easily. And if you can't find it there, go to djgrandpa.com where we talk about all sorts of topics, serious and not so serious, but this is very serious. 
Timothy. It was a pleasure to have you on the show, and thanks for everything you do. Thank you, man. I'd like to thank all our guests. I'd also like to thank our listeners. Each week, we couldn't do it without you guys. A special thanks goes out to Trevor Williams and to my mentor, The Mumbler, for providing music to DJ Grandpa's crib. Thanks to Jeffrey Banks, Bertram Zeke, and Zach Samal, our assistant editors. Until next week, so say we all. The homepage for DJ Grandpa's crib is djgrandpa.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, DJ Grandpa's Crib, all one word. Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, which helps other people discover the show. And don't forget to leave a comment while you're there. Our producer is Von Rupert. The executive producer of this and all Bedrock Communications podcasts is AF Rufus. 